0: Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gauthier.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line. 2023 is here. We're busy. Everything's good from what I think. Matt, how's everything in your world? It's just busy. Yeah. But busy in the oil field is good. Right. Well, I feel like regardless of what the oil price is, what the rig count is, we're always busy to some degree. It's we're either busy ramping up or busy ramping down. If you were to take busy out of the vocabulary, how would you re-answer the question? I'm not going to go with overwhelmed
0: because I don't think that's the case. Like we have the support and the help that we need. Yeah. But certainly kind of heavily engaged with a lot of customer needs, which is great. Like, honestly, it keeps it fun. It keeps it interesting. It's just one of those. And you're certainly thankful for it. I would say that it's always like no day is a dull moment, but it also means like, let's say you had some big picture initiative you were hoping to take care of. Yeah. You probably shouldn't commit too aggressively to deadlines. Sure. Because the day-to-day of the customers comes first and there's just a lot of energy in that. So Mm -hmm. it's certainly not bad and obviously things come and go and, and all that. It's just when activity is up, this is some of your longer term initiatives may your deadlines may slip a little bit but that's okay.
1: Yeah. No, I think to that point I mean again it's great count is at the highest it's been since 2020 and or give or take there's so many great ideas and so many good initiatives and it's because the activity level is high it's like where do you put a concentrated amount of effort to really like get through the finish line right? Because it's like the more people we have the more activity there is better ideas come to light and it's like there's all these cool things happening and it's like, which direction do we really pursue? Right. Because they're all great and they all have a pretty good amount of ROI.
0: Well, and like your idea might be good, but then you're talking to a customer about a problem they have right now and you're like, ooh, right. great idea. Like, I didn't think of that. Your idea is better than mine and we're listening. And so we're going to go ahead and chase that. And I'm actually more excited about that. Or you have something you're really passionate about, but you're like, this is a two year process. I just don't want to forget about it, but let's face it now's not the time. Yeah. But lots of excitement. Lots of good stuff in that.
1: Yeah, no, 2023 shaping up to be a good year. All the events are, you know, scheduled now or a lot of them are scheduled. Now it's looking at travel plans and we're, you know, I had someone I was just talking to about an event in May and it's like holy smokes, now we're planning out and It's back to it, but I love it. I was talking to uh, one of the gentlemen downstairs that works for the building and we're talking about the holidays. And as much as I love the holidays and being with the family and stuff, I like the idea of leading up to holidays and leading up to vacations and stuff like that. Just because when I'm actually in holiday mode, I'm already looking forward to like getting back to it. And I just love work regardless, which is good, right? You always want to love what you do. And I always look forward to Mondays and when Fridays come around, I'm like, great weekend's here, but next week's going to be another exciting week. And so it's just part of it. And so I'm glad 2023 is here, lots of good things happening, but let's get into the drilling fluid side of things. I know I get babbling here and get sidetracked, but that's just part of the program. Casing drilling. Yeah. Something that for a lot of folks out there, it's not very common. Like I said, the only time I've been exposed to it was at OTC in like 2016, I think it was maybe or whatever. But Matt, casing drilling, what is it? It's a cool topic. So casing or liner drilling
0: is when you drill with casing or liner as your pipe effectively. And so you put an adapter on the top drive. So it's hardware intensive. And that may be part of the reason that you saw it at OTC is, time consuming and it's getting better, but there's a cost to it. There's hardware, there's other things. You got to be pretty committed to it. So you got to have a big problem to solve it. And normally offshore where costs are higher is where you'd see more interest in addressing this, but you'll have some sort of a drillable bit or you'll have a retrievable BHA. So basically you can drill the TD with your casing as your pipe and then come out of the hole, you can cement that thing in place and you can drill ahead. Right. A lot of different kind of hardware to do that. But at the end of the day, instead of running, you know, drill pipe, you're basically, when you reach TD, your casing's on bottom, which coming out of the hole and running casing, sometimes there can be problems or challenges. And so casing drilling can be an end around to some of those issues.
1: Right. Conceptually, it makes sense. It's like, why would we drill with a bunch of drill pipe, pull it out of the hole multiple times a well, then get to TD, then have to pull it all the way out by single joint, then run casing? Why not just drill with the thing that you're going to plant in the hole to begin with, right? Exactly. But there's reasons why we can't. But Mm -hmm. aside from that part, why would we use casing drilling? Or why would we use this type of application?
0: Lost circulation is a pretty good one. And- what happens when you're drilling is, granted, you have much narrower annuli, right? Think about your bit hole size. You have either a reamer at the end of the casing and you actually, well, let me take a step back. So think about a retrieval drilling assembly. Basically, what you do is you drill a pilot hole ahead of it. So you've got this thing sticking out ahead of your casing to drill the pilot hole. And then you have either an under reamer or a reamer shoe on the casing that makes the hole bigger so that the casing can just Mm, fit in, right? Yeah. But all the cuttings are going up the annulus, right? So they're going up the casing annulus. And because the casing is so similar in diameter to the hole size, you basically start mashing cuttings up against the wellbore, which Uh. kind of smears them all against the formation, which could not always, but could actually cram that material into fractures Mm. and create this sort of like a filter cake, but really you're just mashing all these other formation rock with drilling fluid additives in the formation. And so it's not crazy to see not only a dramatic reduction in losses, but remember you don't have to come out of the hole and fight it either, right? Your casing's there. You're not, let's come out, let's do all those. like you're there. So there's that aspect, but you may actually have a higher mud weight window just by sort of a wellbore strengthening effect of smearing all this material in place. And there's different schools of thought on exactly how that works, but it's clear that it does. Mm-hmm. Another aspect of the loss circulation is there's the savings in whole mud losses you probably don't have because you're drilling with casing and maybe you eliminate losses. But in some very loss-prone reservoirs, losing a ton of mud, basically the mud might actually be between you and your oil, right? So you got to produce back all that mud and then the oil will show. And so if you lose less mud, you may actually be able to improve your production because the oil might not actually flow. Sometimes you block some of the permeability. So anyways, in really fractured reservoirs, you may see this kind of come into play in carbonate reservoirs like in the Middle East where they lose a ton. And then you could drill with casing, maybe you don't lose as much, and maybe that actually helps improve oil production. So lost circulation is a big one, stuck pipe, just the idea of Drilling with casing where you have the smearing effect. A lot of this could be losses where you get differentially stuck, things like that. Yeah. It can help address those. And another big one from the fluids perspective is well instability. stability. And basically the idea here is yes, there's risk of pack off and that sort of thing. But if you think about constantly like pressing the formation against itself, you don't have this large annulus where cavings can really fall into and that sort of thing. You can sort of keep pressing ahead. So, those can be advantageous, you know, fewer trips because you're not going to come out of the hole. Your casing's already with you. Anyways, there's other reasons to do it, but generally those are kind of the ones we kick around at really bad losses, well worn stability, getting stuck. And you may only do this on one section, right? You may only do this on the troublesome interval. Gotcha. So okay. you might just do it on surface. A lot of times you
1: just do it in the reservoir. You could do it for all of them if you want, but there's cost to that. Right. Right. So you're not limited by just being vertical. Like you can do it in a horizontal, you could do it intermediate, wherever across the curve. Okay. And the thing is like, that's where you get in, you can run rotary steerable with this stuff,
0: you know, but the thing to keep in mind is the more sophisticated, the hardware, there's potential risk of some mechanical equipment issue, which I don't think those risks are necessarily all that big, but you have a more complex system. So if you're just trying to drill vertical. You can have a pretty basic dumb iron type system, but if you want a 3D well, you can do casing drilling to drill a 3D well. You can do a liner as well. So you can drill the liner section and set a hanger and cement a liner in place without running casing all the way up. Interesting Options aplenty.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, conceptually, it makes a lot of sense. So naturally on the other side of the fence, why would you not want to do this? I mean, like all things in the oil field, money, right? (laughs) There is rig time to get things rigged
0: up. It's different equipment. You're probably going to bring on another crew who's familiar with how this stuff works. You're adding some hardware. So there's additional cost to, you know, the kinds of equipment you have out there. You know, there's a SPE distinguished lecture. It was a YouTube video kind of talking about this. And he said, the time savings may not be on there on land because it has to reduce a trouble time. So his point was, if you're doing a bunch of things to engineer around a difficult problem, trying to find the perfect mud weight window to stop losses, but limit well stability instability, and you're not getting there and you've spent a ton of money trying, casing drilling might be an answer for you. But it has to address something that is persistently affecting your operations. You don't just do this as a regular matter, of course, because it inherently costs more. So it's got to generate the savings. And that's why offshore where this day costs are so high anyways, that, okay, take a half a day to rig up. And I have no idea how long it takes to rig these things up. I'm sure they're all optimized to do it quickly. But take this time, bring these extra people on board, which is a big deal too, right? Like that is all still worth it because of a specific problem that it solves. So that's the big why not. But if you have a real problem, I think even on land, you know, if it's look, if we're going to lose this pad or whatever, if we can't get casing down, I don't know, maybe it's part of the conversation.
1: Yeah, no kidding. I would imagine one of the things too is if you were to get stuck Because that's always something like you really at that point have nothing left to do but to pull casing, right? Which would be... Yeah, I mean, that's that's your string, right? Yeah. So that's one thing that you'd have to, I guess... I understand the rock you're drilling. And I suspect that it would be kind of a step change process to where if you were in an area where you're having issues and say, hey, what about this as a solution? Like, I don't think you'd go in in an exploratory area and start doing this. Or, and maybe you would. I don't know. I doubt it. I mean, I think it, to some degree it can help with well
0: control to be on casing and have this like higher window. Yeah. But it does seem a little risky, like when you don't know how badly you need it. Yeah. I would say that, you know, the other aspect, though, is there's an argument to be made that the risk of for example packing off when you don't have much of a bha to pack off is probably less sure right the risk of getting differentially stuck is probably less when you're smearing cuttings on the wellbore wall and kind of isolating those zones yeah so there's a chance that you can de-risk some things kind of circling back to if you know you're going to have a higher mud weight window maybe you can make your mud weight higher conversely if you're worried about losses you might be able to lower your mud weight. You have less working volume in the annulus. There's a little bit of addressable risk there, but it gives you a little bit of flexibility that you don't have on a conventional BHA.
1: Yeah. So let's just say, you know, an operator decides to go forward with this type of thing. What kind of fluid properties or sort of fluid items that we would be responsible for that we would have to consider? Because the hydraulics change, right? Which then changes what we need on the specs with regards to rheology. You're still circulating down hole and up the annulus, but with it being a different profile to some degree with different capacities and different, you know, annular velocities, things are a little different. We
0: have so much pump these days that hole cleaning isn't the conversation it once was mm-hmm. on a lot of our traditional unconventional well layouts. And similarly here, like you have that smaller annulus, you have much higher AVs. You don't have to pump as hard to get that annular velocity, right? Because you have a smaller annulus. So from a whole cleaning perspective, probably simplifies things to some degree in that you probably won't want your fluid as thick. But on the chemistry side, there's probably, would I not use my shale inhibitor? No, I'd probably still go ahead with it because gumbo is gumbo and it can, maybe you're less prone to things, but it doesn't mean they can't make your life a problem. And like you've already stated, especially if you're using one of these systems that uses a conventional drilling assembly ahead of it you still have the same interaction issues at the bit right you still have balling you still have some of these other issues so i would still follow a lot of my same practices i would say that really in general you're going to look at your mud properties look at your hydraulics chemically it would probably be fairly similar because why relax it if the risks were there to begin with But you might not need to do as many regular LCM treatments. Sure. You might not want to. You might want to keep your solids way, way down. But, big picture, what you're doing is you're reducing risks that you would normally have with a fluid, anyways, right? So, the casing drilling helps reduce or lower those risks. It doesn't entirely eliminate a lot of them. So, I would still add some of those materials to keep my fluid loss down and do some of these other things. Yeah. Just by way of, I still have the well bore exposed. There's still things that can happen with the rock. Maybe it's not as catastrophic if something were to happen, but I've spent all this money to rig up my case again. Let's make it successful, right? No kidding. And maybe the risk profile changes enough that you could dial back your black powder additions or you could modify some things. But at the end of the day, you still need mud Yeah. and you still want reasonably good quality mud to drill ahead because- Right at the bit, we want that ROP,
1: right? Yep, exactly. And I think one thing too to note is if you're planning on doing this, and we do it regularly regardless, but it's just running some good hole cleaning hydraulics just to see kind of what the difference is in terms of ECDs and hole cleaning and maybe your pump requirements are a little different. And so it comes down to like everything we talk about is just proper planning. And so if this is something that's coming up, I encourage, you know, whoever out there is that's involved with this is really take a good look at your hydraulics and understand the difference between running, whether it be four and a half or five inch pipe versus whatever your seven inch casing or five and a half inch liner or five and a half inch liner or whatever. Again, these are just things that ultimately kind of dictate you know, how hard you can pump on it, what kind of liner sizes the rig might mean. And although you're not the one dictating that, but you can at least provide enough information to where then you can hand that off or planning for the drilling engineer or whoever's planning the well. So again, it's something that's cool. Again, I've never seen it in action. I would imagine at the shakers, it looks about the same, (laughs) but at the end of the day, it's a big tool for the toolbox. And I encourage anyone out there who's ever done it to share some experiences with, again, it's kind of one of those, I know about it, but I've never been exposed to it. So.
0: Yeah, I mean you don't see it all the time, that's for sure. And there's certain areas where it's been used, on land, offshore, you name it. Yeah. And used on a lot of wells, which suggests that it can make a pretty big difference when you need it. Yeah. Have
1: you been on a rig with or well with it?
0: No, just been in conversations when it's been looked at as an issue primarily for well worn stability. Sure. Where we couldn't get the mud weight we needed without knowing we were gonna go on total losses. And one suggestion that just you sort of brought to my mind as you were discussing the planning side of things. Get on YouTube and almost every provider of these systems has an animation of how it works. Look at where the fluids go. Think about it from a fluid's perspective. There's a lot of like ball activated mechanisms and latches and that kind of thing. But thinking your way through where the fluid goes and other things that might happen can be helpful. And there's a lot of reasonably educational videos about each company's system Mm -hmm. that might help you ask questions if you're not familiar with it when you get into the planning phase.
1: Most definitely. No, that's a great point, Matt. And again, for the listeners out there, it's always fascinating to hear from you. So if you do have any experience or stories you'd like to share on that front, please let us know reach out to us on linkedin matt and i are both on there and if you want to do the old school email way of doing things cuz nowadays it's all about dms you know what i mean everyone's yes. reaching out over the dms we're heavy on the old email as well you can reach us at the flowline podcast at aesfluids.com matt anything else for the listeners before we uh, do our final sign off here
0: i just share in your curiosity of folks who've been around it what kind of problems were they trying to solve yeah how well did it work and just especially what kind of change was like that for the rig crew, you know, were they not so keen or was everybody kind of bought in? So uh, yeah, if you have any of that experience, I'd love to hear it.
1: Yeah, that would be cool. Especially from the rig perspective. With that said, everyone, if you could to take a look on LinkedIn for AES fluids, or A.S. Drilling Fluids, rather. And you can find us on Instagram. I don't think we've hit the TikTok scene yet, but we are definitely on the major social platforms and our marketing team continues to pump out good quality information to learn. And if there's something you're curious about and want to learn more about, please reach out. There's a lot of things that we take for granted here, things that we just do on the daily basis not remembering what it's like sometimes to be learning. And right now with how busy things are, there's a lot of new folks joining the oil field. So if you're out there and you're trying to learn and there's something that you might even think is a dumb question, trust me, I always have a dumber question. <laughs> and with that said, folks, thanks for listening. Bye for now. Take care. Thanks for listening.
0: Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.